You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. I'll hit the record button. Yes! Alright, I'll hit my record button. Alright. Alright, zippity doo da. Okay. We are recording. Oh crap, what episode are we up to? Um, 97. 97. Hey, Kevin, you know what I did? I actually uh, asked Tim if he and David would like to come and hijack the show for episode 100. And Tim graciously said, no, that's our show. Uh, we're not going to take it on. So, uh, ha we win. Anyway, welcome to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 97. My name is Mark Grincher. I'm joined by Kevin Older, as usual. Kevin, how's your week been? Oh, not too bad. It's been kind of cool, been a little warm. There's a chance of snow the end of the week, so all is good with the world. I I'm, can I'm, with I'm glad you said that there was snow at the end of the week. I thought you were having hot flushes for a minute. No, I don't have those yet. I haven't hit manopause. <laughs> Do we? I'm a bit worried. I know we hit midlife crisis. I don't know if I'm there yet. I, You know what? I haven't wanted to go and buy that Harley Davidson and just ride off into the sunset yet. So, a few more well, years, maybe? I'm afraid I might have missed midlife crisis. I might have been asleep. I'm not sure. Oh, crap. you got to go back. you got to do it now. Do it now. It's... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say I haven't hit midlife crisis yet. That way, it's a guarantee that I'll live to be well beyond a hundred years old. And when we're doing episode one thousand seven million four hundred billion twenty one of this show, we'll know then I can talk about it. Will we have at least four listeners by then? I I expect us to be up to ten. Ten? Hey, something to aim for. Gotta love it. Yeah. Tenth of a listener gained every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, little portions. Remember back in the old days when the internet first started, and I'm talking old days. I'm talking the 1990s when you had the the Netspace. Uh, was it uh, no Netscape? Not Netspace. Yeah, Netscape, Netscape uh, browser, and you'd you'd have a picture loading, and it would load like a tenth of the picture at a time. When you mentioned that, I'm thinking, oh, that that would just you know be funny. A tenth of a listener at a time. Just sort of, uh, you know, load in down the page. God, those were the days, weren't they? I mean, as a song, those were the days, days with my, my friend, friend Dale Sheely and I forgot so, it. Yeah, yeah, a few different. I but think Andy Williams did it, and a few other people. So <laughs> you know, you were talking about that that the portion of a person. There's a I've talked about it before. One of my favorite old television sitcoms to carry on a little bit from last week. Um, was Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. And there's a famous episode, and I know it's on YouTube, um, where he's talking to his son, Opie, and he said, he's talking, I can't remember exactly what he's talking about, but he's going, he goes on, it's 1.5 boys per something. Mm-hmm. And, and the son's looking at him going, and looking at him real funny, and his Andy says, what's wrong, Opie? He says, I never seen 0.5 of a boy, Paul. <laughs> He said, "No, no." He said, "Ain't." He said, "Ain't nothing about a point five. It's a ratio." And she, he said, "A ratio? Who?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a classic episode, and there's a. Oh, you have I to give me a link so that I can check it out. Uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic to see. Oh, that was a good point, Kevin. Yes. Uh, now, Kevin, I'm, I'm going to turn our laughter into a little bit of sadness here because, 
the Wii U has been reduced in America. What? How much has it been reduced by? Um, all the papers that I've seen, it's down to three forty nine ninety nine, so fifty bucks basically. Well, that that was basically the Australian price, and for the uh, pretty sure for the basic package. So is that the premium package that's, or is yeah. it both lots that have been reduced? Uh, well, you know, I haven't looked at the the other one. I mean, I've just been watching it because of you know I purchased the premium back before Christmas. Hmm. And I paid three ninety nine US. It's down to three forty nine. I'm betting that the other one, uh, the eight gig model, has been reduced as well. I just don't know how much. I haven't looked at it to see because everybody seems to be talking about the 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 thirty two gig. You don't see much of the uh, eight gig model. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's been reduced. And this this is very disappoint. It's disappointing, but you know I can live with it. I know, you know, these things happen. Um, you and I were talking before the show, and I think, you know, even if the Wii U doesn't become a, a, a overwhelming success in the games, which the original title games that are Wii U-specific are, for the most part, around $60 U.S., so they're not cheap. But I mm-hmm. think that's about the same price as Xbox and uh, PS2 games are, or PS3, PS3 games are, yeah. you know, in the United States, so it's a you know it's a premium price for some premium games, um, but you know the only good thing is it is backwards compatible. That was the one thing when I decided to get the gaming console, and I talked about that that I was okay with. I'll buy it even if it doesn't take off. The Wii is they're still producing new titles for the Wii mm. itself, so and we've got quite a library of games for the Wii. So yeah. You know, well, certainly the sales have, have dropped on the, the Wii U, and um, I think it was in Japan where the Wii actually outsold the Wii U, which, you know, that's not uncommon because, uh, you know, you see that all the time when Sony had the PlayStation 2 out and then had the PlayStation 3 out, the PlayStation 2 at one stage was selling more than the PlayStation 3, and it's purely based on economies of scale. You know, you've got a $500... Uh, brand new console versus a $100 console. You know, a lot of people don't care. It's a lot easier to swallow that $100 price tag. I mean, I look now, I can go down to my local gaming store, pick up the original Wii uh, with Mario Kart uh, and the steering wheel uh, and two controllers as well. And, uh, you know, that's going to set me back $149. And it's, you know, you, you look at that and it's like, okay, that's a compelling thing, you know, we had family uh, who, you know, for Christmas wanted to buy their, you know, a new gaming system, and they were, you know, asking me what would I recommend, and I actually recommended to them the Wii over the Wii U, because they didn't have internet, they rely purely on uh, 3G internet on their iPhones, and, and that's the only internet access they've got, so as you'd know, Kevin, every time you buy a new disc, or every time you, you know, want to use a or use the features initially uh, with the Wii U, you had to do that that pretty hefty uh, update to the system in order to have it functioning properly. So, you know, people who don't have the internet or don't have large data caps or, you know, families who don't even want their kids, uh, you know, on the internet that much, something like the Wii is still an absolutely solid, fantastic system. It's just, you know what, it's a real shame. I mean, I didn't go for the Wii U yet because... I thought about it, and I don't play as many games as I used to. I'm just, 
You know, I'm, I'm still interested in them, but I think I gawk at paying that $50, $60 price tag for a brand new game. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got to be really good. And, okay, you're going to get some first-party titles that are definitely worth paying that money for. But, uh, you know, you just... It, take, for instance, the uh, the Aliens... Uh, what, what was it called? Aliens... Um, Colonies? It might be Aliens, Colonies. Anyway, it's based off, uh, off the second Aliens movie. So, uh, actual Aliens with the S um, mm-hmm. in the Alien franchise. And, you know, for fans of that movie, it's perfect because it matches the the movie. So, all the scenes and everything are matched and you just literally play through as, as one of the char- characters, uh, which is really cool. But it's been getting bad reviews. And look, I, I played the last um, Aliens game and it was just a shocker. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. And that was on the PlayStation 3 and it was like, I finished it in like four and a half hours and then I went, well, that's it. And then the multiplayer component was crap. And I just, you know, there, there was a lot of holes in it. And it looks like they, that Sega sort of released it without fixing the holes of the previous game and it's carried through. So, you know, when you have games like that, it's disappointing. But then on the other flip side, and you think because this new system's HD, you'd think that you'd get some of the HD titles moving across. We've seen, um, you know, Assassin's Creed 3 come out on on uh, the Wii U, but what I'm wondering is, hey, where's Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2, you know? Uh, well, we, they're we, on the Wii, no, they're not on the Wii. Assassin's well, Creed. I... No, Assassin's Creed never came on the traditional Wii. Huh? I thought it did. I... No, it never came on the traditional Wii, which is why it would be perfect. Why not bundle it in like a two-pack, sell it for full price, but you know you get the games a little bit cheaper because you know the, okay the story goes it, it, it sort of finalizes in each game, but it also continues on. So there's a good continuation, and people who like the third are going to just enjoy going back to the first and the second. Of course, the first game's going to be, you know, graphically not as impressive. It was made in 2006, released in 07. Uh, But it's still going to be a good game, and it would work well just to have it re-engineered for the Wii U. And, look, maybe there's not enough money for them to go back into the source code and tweak it and release it. Uh, Who knows what they're really thinking, but... I just I, I I look at the Wii U at the moment and I'm seeing the PlayStation Vita. I'm just seeing great hardware, really inventive gameplay options. You know, uh, the the Vita's got the the rear touch screen, uh, not touch screen, but touch pad that allows you to interact in a different way. The Wii U allows you with the new controller to interact with a a different way with the new games. But there's not enough games supporting it. You know, it's been out for a while now, and I'm just not seeing it. And, and then Star Trek. There's a new Star Trek game oh. coming out next month, Kevin. And it's not supported on the Wii U. And I look at it, and it's, it's like this Star Trek game is going to be the Star Trek game. You know, I've had to tolerate all the different Star Wars games always being superior to Star Trek. This is the first time that it looks like they're going to make a Star Trek game that's just going to be perfect for the fans. Just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
And, you know, it's on PC. So, I mean, you know, for, for arguments, like, you've got a really powerful iMac there. You run Windows in VM. Uh, you could, you know, even boot camp into Windows if you wanted. So you'd have no trouble, you know, run the PC version, uh, especially yeah. with the graphics cards you've got in there. Uh, but for someone like me who's rocking an older Mac and, and, you know, no longer has the PS3 and doesn't have an Xbox, uh, you know, it, it's challenging. It's like, oh, do I go out and buy one for this console? And it's like, but I've got all these Wii titles. Can't they just bring it to the Wii U? Because then that'll add into, you know, the games that are available. And then I'll actually pick up the Wii U so that the kids can still have the Nintendo games. You know, I don't really want to go back to two consoles. Um, you know, I've been there before. I've done that before. Um, and the problem is one always sits there getting dust on it, which is, <laughs> more often than not was the Wii. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, what's funny is when you actually have a, have a high-def uh, gaming system and then you've got a standard-def gaming system, you tend to go for high-def even if the games are a little bit cra- crappier. You just, I don't know what it is. It's just, or well, I do anyway. It's just a psychological barrier um, that you sort of I, think, oh, I'll go that way. Couldn't a Vulcan mind meld or something like that fix that psychological barrier? Probably. Barrier? Probably. Or, or you could do what I do when I have problems like that. I get a long straw, put one into my mouth and the other into my ear, and I blow real hard, and it cleanses my mind. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I got nothing to follow doesn't, up on that one. That's, just, that's doesn't everybody do that? No, no, I, no. I don't know anyone who's ever done that. I know one guy who sucks uh, tea bags, but you know, uh, ne- never heard of the straw blown into the eardrum. No, it must be a. Uh, well, you have a small mind; it just goes right by under. Well, you know, see that—that's my problem. You know, it's pretty hollow up there, so it just go. Just like a wind tunnel. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. you know the the gaming console. And it's funny now. I have the Wii U down here, and I have my original Xbox. We have the Wii upstairs, and then in the bedroom, I have an Atari twenty six hundred that I got for Christmas. One of the retro systems. So I've got multiple gaming systems. Um, I really play hardly any of them. <laughs> I've been obsessed. Isn't, the only game incredible? I've been obs- yeah, and I've got a DS. Remember, I inherited a yes. DS. I haven't picked that up in probably three, four weeks, at least. Um, I want to play it some more. The game I've been obsessed with of late, though, is I've been playing uh, Sky Gamblers, which I think I've mentioned before on the uh, on the, on my Mac. And it, you know the you know if you're a flight simulator purist and. All this stuff, no, you're not going to like it. It's going to be different, but it's a good shoot 'em up fun-style arcade flight game, and I've just been having a blast. I've been trying to level up, and I'm up to, I think yesterday evening, I made it up to second lieutenant oh, in nice. rank. So um, I've been ranking it. It takes, I think you get a new rank every 5,000 points. And then I've only, but the most I've ever scored at one time was like 123 points in a death match. Uh-huh. So, um, but I'll take, I'll fly a P51 Mustang and take it up against, uh, you know, a, a P80 shooting star jet or, um, oh, what was the German jet? I can't remember the one they came out with right at the end of the World War II. 
and the different things. So I, I go up against those and I can defeat them. Awesome. I'll turn, I'll, I'll turn, start to black out, hit the machine guns and until I start to come <laughs> back. <laughs> Cause I'll, yeah. ro- I'll rev it up to full speed, <laughs> but yeah. Hey, it's fun. There, there was oh, what was it called? There, there was a really good um, game that was released on the the Wii originally back in two thousand and seven, which was very similar arcade style, but it was based around World War Two. Uh, but it was just a really good shooter, and I haven't really been that much into flight sims or even flight shooting games. You know, some of them are hit and miss. Some it depends on the controls. If the controls are great. It's a great game, and I love it. If the controls are a bit iffy, then it's like, oh, yeah, not really. But no, it's it's uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't use all the controls. I need to get a joystick. I haven't even had a joystick in eons, God, so I need to get things. a... <laughs> what? Th- those what things. I, I haven't seen one of those for, well, actually, no, I shouldn't say for about 20 years. Uh, personally, I haven't seen one and used one for about 20 years. But, um, you know, when I was working for Games Warehouse, they, we used to stock them for anyone who wanted to, you know, do flight sim. It's actually quite incredible because the old joystick used to be really used by... You could use it for anything. You could use it for platform games and so forth. Mm. Uh, certainly 2D platformers. I think really when uh, things changed and then the 3D platforming came in, it became less capable, and also when the multiple buttons came in as well. Uh, you know, there's only, you know, so much room on that joystick, and, you know, a lot of them are quite complicated, and you can actually program them and everything, which is cool, but it just, yeah, the the gamepad kind of killed it, I think. Yeah, the, you know, I, right now I'm playing with the keyboard, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it, it works fine. I'm wearing my space bar out, you know, shooting the hell out of <laughs> But um, I want to get a joystick and try it, but I'm just going to get a cheap USB joystick and give it a shot. If it doesn't work, I'm not going to be out but $10, $15. And I'm not going to sink a ton of money in it, but it's a good first-person shooter. But, uh, yeah, joysticks used to get used for everything. I used to have some... I had a really fancy uh, Microsoft joystick at one time. They had a... For Flight Sim, because I used to play Microsoft's Flight Sim uh, simulator that... Yeah, that one. That was the the game back when you were still pooping in your pants. That was <laughs> that was the game to play on the uh, PC when you were PC gaming. And um, you know, I, yeah, I, I had. I, I've got to ask Kevin. We're geeks. No, actually, I won't ask that because that's a bit risky. And and I, you know what? Don't forget that I butted in there. <laughs> oh, now my now you have mine and the listeners' curiosity peaked. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go uh, go down the. Uh, let's have a joke about joysticks. Uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I had something to say, and then uh, I think I think it even pushes a little bit further than where we normally go. It was actually quite funny, or I thought it was anyway. But no, I better not do that one. Yeah. We'll hold off on that one. Just for today. Okay, okay. I, Maybe next I, week. Yeah, I got a mental image that I don't need. Anyway, the, <laughs> but the uh, Microsoft one was really pretty good. But it was, you know, that was back in the day when you had to have that, uh, was it a 15-pin connector or something? It was a special connector on the back. You put a game port on the back of your computer mm-hmm. back. So, I mean, I and I used to play a ton of games, but I really don't play that much anymore. I, 
I need simple games. I've aged, you know, I can't think really fast. My my reflexes aren't what they used to be. Squirrel. Oh, sorry. The But, you know, I just I I it's just like uh one of the most popular games is uh Madden. The Madden mm. foot American football games. And that's one game and, that escapes my understanding, but <laughs> I understand the game I understand the game of football. I understand the concept of playing football. I understand what to do in certain situations in football, but I'll be damned if I can figure out the controller. If you want to pass, you hit this A, B, X, drop back, two, R, Q. And what the hell? By that time, there's all they're tackling me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've you know I've always enjoyed, uh, say, for instance, the ice hockey games, but. You know, I think back to the days on the original NES and then the Super NES, and they were sort of simple. It's like, pass, and, uh, you know, goal, and, and, and so forth, you know, and, and then tackle, and, and, you know, stuff like that. Now, you do have 20 different button combinations to press and remember, and then the problem is, it's not that you can't necessarily learn them, but if you don't play them for a couple of days, and then you go back to them, it's like, oh, oh, um... What am I pressing again? You know, it's it's just really awkward on some games. Yeah, the um, that's why I like games like uh, I love to play the Simpsons game that I have for my Xbox. It's very simple. You know, you have an accelerator, you have the brakes, you have the steering. You know. mean, is that like a crazy taxi version of of the Simpsons? Um, what, no, there that that's the original one. That one's called. Is it Hit, Hit and Run? Yeah, but there was a second one. Um, what is that one called? This one, you actually have little missions. Like one of the first missions is Marge sends you to the Quickie Mart to get uh, some cookie dough ice cream and something else. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember what else it is. But then you have these missions, and you have to do these things. Pardon me. You have to do these things, and you have to do them in a certain order and stuff like that, or you have timed achievements you have to complete. And sometimes I just go running around and running over people and seeing if I can outrun the police after they... Because <laughs> as you keep hitting people and things, it runs up damage. Yep. And at a certain point, the police come after you. If they can catch you and block you. So then the question is, can you get away from them? So, you know, it's sometimes just fun to drive around the city running over people and things. Because no, nobody dies or anything in the game, of course. <laughs> you know, and you, you yeah, can launch... Yeah, they bounce. Yeah, you can launch the car, you know, to see how far you can launch, how much air you can get and stuff like that. And then you find the secret jump ramps and stuff like that. So um, that's the fun stuff. I mean, you know, I, it, to get in really deep, because I've gotten in pretty far to that game, it's like, oh, this is just too hard. I have to think too much. <laughs> I'm going to just go run over people. This is you, too you know, hard. Like, I mean, you need to play Calm again. That, that's that's the best carnage based. Let's just run down people in the streets. I I used to love playing that game uh, for hours on end, and you know I, I I'm a product that that you know that you can actually say and prove that playing computer games and violent computer games doesn't make you a mass murderer or anything like that because I haven't run down people in real life. Well, I yet. do have a pedestrian strainer for the front of my truck. A bull bar. No, a pedestrian strainer. What's that? You hit people, it strains them out so they don't get all stuck up under your car or anything. Oh. It's a joke. I know, but I'm, I had a mental picture come in. 
Oh, now I'm feeling a bit queasy. Oh, talking about all the blood and the guts and oh, and trails and everything like that. Now, how do we, how do we get this deep into gaming? See, see, we we are great podcasters. We just go over there and over there and up there and down here. Ooh, pretty lights. You gotta stop doing that, Kevin. Distracts you, doesn't it? It does. It traumatizes me. Especially when i got something important to say. Anyway, I, I just don't know what the pro-gaming industry is doing at the moment. I think, um, God, you know what? Lord help Nintendo, uh, Microsoft and, and uh, Sony if Apple ever release a pro-gaming system where you can have the, the high-end games on an Apple TV or something similar. <laughs> they will well, be yeah. out of business so quickly. Well, you know, the, back, back to the gaming thing, the one thing that I do like about the Wii is that it does give me other features, too. My Wii U, I mean, mm-hmm. the original Wii, I couldn't do some of the stuff I can do on Wii U because I can now get to YouTube videos, and we know how YouTube's expanded. Mm-hmm. I could watch He Who Shall Remain Nameless on my television from the comfort of my easy chair. Do, do you know, I've got a confession, Kevin. I actually haven't seen that episode yet. I, uh, you know, when he was recording it, I was it, like, oh, this is interesting, but I got to take the kids to school, and I just kind of haven't had time yet. So. I'm only about about a third or maybe halfway through it, because I just... I, you didn't fall asleep, did you? It's not that boring, no, is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I just, I got distracted. I had other things to do, and... More uh, important things than watching episode 100? Well, yes, unfortunately. Sorry, Heath, you shall remain nameless, but yeah, there was something come up. We won't well, go into you, fam- At least you've seen a bit of it. We won't go into it. We won't bring up the family matters we were discussing pre-show. So. Oh, no, we both uh, had family issues. So, uh, but no, I watched part of it. But anyway, the Wii U will let me do that. I can watch YouTube. I can watch Hulu. I can watch Netflix. I can watch Amazon Prime. Um, matter of fact, I'm getting ready to start the series of Dalton Abbey. Or Dalton, however you say it, Abby from out of the UK. Because yep. I keep hearing people talk about it, and it looks really good. Found it on Amazon Prime for zero dollars US, <laughs> so I still watch the first two seasons that way. If I have to buy the third season, oh, that will be such a terrible thing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, suddenly you know it, it's good when you can get you know, everything rolled into one and, and certainly Xbox and, and PS3, they also have, you know, their kind of things. But then could be as, as early as this week we'll see the PS4 announced or some major upgrade to the PS3 that'll, you know, keep it moving forward. And, you know, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a big person on rumours. I, I don't like rumours that much. But just having a look at what they're rumoring as to being, you know, an eight-core system with this processor and this amount of RAM, and I'm like, really? That's a little bit less than I'd expect them to be pumping out. Um, I'm just looking at the rumors thinking, wow, that's not much of an upgrade at all on paper. Um, You know, when you're talking about the PS4 having possibly only four gigabytes of RAM... Xbox, whatever, 720, whatever they're going to call it, having 8 gigabytes of RAM, you kind of go, really? You know, and then, you know, they're they're talking about 8 cores, which is, you know, a nice uh, processor, but 
they're going to be sort of low powered, you know, running 1.7 to 2 gigahertz per processor. So it and they're not really set on the architecture yet. What you know, uh, what is going to happen there? So it's sort of interesting because you get something, and and this is I think the problem with the gaming industry as I see it. If you look and consider the iPad, the iPhone, the iPod touches as being gaming devices, every year they change. They get a little bit more powerful. Yeah, a little bit more capable, but the gaming systems stay stagnant throughout their life cycle. They, you know, there's been three different editions of the PlayStation 3, but they're all running exactly the same processor, the same RAM, you know, and the same motherboard and everything. So you're not getting additional speed out of it that developers can then utilize. Whereas iOS, you know, you get in that additional speed each and every year. And, you know, when, when you look at the quality of games, they're coming up very, very, very close to early 360 and early uh, PS3 titles that were released in 06, 07. Yeah, and if they get too much more advanced than that, it would be too advanced for me to use because I'm a pretty <laughs> simple fellow. But, you know, I heard an interesting thing today. Uh, like, well, it actually was on... I heard it today because I'm a little behind listening to Mac OS Ken. Um, he was talking about somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, was concerned about iPad, the bigger iPad, the original one, uh, the sales numbers on it going down and not being that much. So I don't know, but I, I still have my eyeball on a current generation iPad, and I still have my eye on a uh, 128 gig one. I don't know why. I it's, it's, can't. For it's because the... it's big and it's the lightest thin. That, that's why it is. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, I. It's I don't just know. cause. There's no reason for it. It's just it's cause. Just because, yeah. And but then there are times I say, well, you know what? I could save a hundred bucks and get 64 gigs. And I go, but for only a hundred dollars more, I get 128 gigs. I, I tell you what, that that hundred dollars going from sixty four to one twenty eight is a hell of a lot better than the hundred dollar gap between sixteen and thirty two and thirty two and then sixty four. It is such a leap forward, such a jump forward that you go, well, hey, this is like buying two iPads in one. Yeah, but then I look at I was looking again, still jonesing for the MacBook Airs we've talked about, and I saw a refurb uh, MacBook Air was a. Uh, was it a four gig, hundred and twenty eight gig drive that was? I want to say it was eight fifty nine, or something like that on the Apple Store. That's, that's only sixty dollars. That's only sixty dollars more than a brand new hundred and twenty eight gig iPad. So it's like, oh, what what would you get more? What would you get more fun out of? I mean, you know what? I'm I'm amazed at how many people like myself are turn into the iPad and able to use it for the majority of tasks. I still love my Mac, but the big desktop operating system just isn't always necessary. Um, you know, I'm finding that I'm getting a lot of stuff done on my iPad, especially now that I've got the, uh, the Photoshop touch app. I can even do the graphics on there. Uh, <laughs> what is happening though is I'm writing a lot more about iOS than I am about Mac. 
which isn't good because I wrote professionally for publications and Mac retailers. But but look at it this way: What is the most of the news and the buzz around the Apple community? It's iOS. De- it's definitely portable. You know, there just yeah. hasn't been. You know, I'm, look, I'm I'm talking. You know, ten minutes ago about the gaming industry and and so forth, but. You know, really, the computer industry on, on both Mac and, and PC, the traditional desktop computer is stagnant. There is no, other than getting a performance increase, there is no reason for me to move from the late 2009 iMac I've got. Hence, Apple doesn't get another sale from me. But whereas you look at the iPad, since 2010, when it was released, I've had the first edition, then I've had the second edition. Then I now have the Mini. Now, mini. If you, if you collaborate those three prices as well and surely another brand new iMac. But, you know, there's just been no great, hey, look, you know, we can now do this with with this. It, it's just, and I don't even know if that's possible anymore. I mean, obviously, you know, if we look at sci-fi and we look at, Thinking about the future, yes, things have to get more powerful, you know, uh, for us to move forward into that sci-fi world. But what if it's not so much power, but it's more the understanding of the programming that needs to be worked on? You know, you, you could have a computer that's 100 times faster than what you've got now, but what can you actually do with it that you couldn't do with your old one yesterday? You know, it's that kind of argument where, okay, it does stuff quicker, but it doesn't do something brand new and unique. Whereas the tablet industry is just moving very fast and it's very unique. It's changing all the time. And the apps there, you know, it's amazing what type of apps come out and you go, wow, someone thought of that? You know, and I go into the Mac App Store, for instance, and it's like, eh, yeah, nothing's really changed in about two weeks, and just get out of there and and don't bother. There's not a lot of love for it, and I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong, Kevin, but I just I'm not seeing the advancements in hardware, and the I I I think the truck, using the truck analogy, I think the trucks will keep getting more powerful, but. I don't think that they'll necessarily change the way we do computing or the way we create stuff as much as we've seen over the past 15, 20 years. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I think the revolution is definitely going to be more on the portable side. You know, my my ideal thing, uh, Motorola toyed around, I think it was Motorola, uh, toyed around with it. They had the uh, one Android phone they came out with that you could buy that laptop dock for oh, that yeah. that looks superb i loved the idea of oh that. i i played with one we we mm-hmm. had one uh the vendor gave us one uh our wireless vendor at work gave us one to play around with truly amazing apps weren't there at that point this yep. is like two and a half years ago but you got to realize it's got to be getting a lot closer now and and the idea of having something like that that you slide your phone into or even if you slid like your iPad mini into it and it gave you a full size keyboard and a bigger screen, you know, cause I sit here and look at this 27 inch iMac right in front of me with Mark and all his glory. I have him zoomed in quite a bit. Oh, so, no, don't tell me you zoom me as well. Oh, dear I Lord. Zo- 
And by the way, that hair on the fourth one back on the left is turning gray. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Another one. You know, you know what? If it was Gretel, she'd be saying, oh, "I hold on, I've got to go and fix it." She hates getting gray hairs. Me, it's another sign of wisdom. The 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 my wisdom is just showing through in my grayness. I must be one wise son of a bitch then, because my beard's full of gray. <laughs> um, but you know the 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 day's coming when I we're, we're going to hit that point where you're. I mean, it's it, the market said that's what we want. That's where things are going. But I look at this twenty-seven inch iMac. I you know there still isn't anything I do. I mean, granted, I'm not the you know whiz bang highest end. I dabble in a little bit of code now and then, but. I haven't hit anything that this thing won't do. I mean, you know, short of the fact that I didn't get a solid state drive to make boot up and app load a little faster. And frankly, I get only a couple, three bounces at the most out of any app that I try to launch with my spinning drive. This thing will probably last me three or four more years. And it's already coming up on two years old. I just don't see me replacing it anytime soon. Plus, I'd, I'd have to buy another heat source for down here in the basement if I did get rid of it, because this thing does a nice little job of keeping the uh, not, at least not my crispy. Yeah, keep my corner of the of the room warm anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I, that's where the market's headed. It is headed towards the portable with the ability to dock and do things. Because I think about. I remember when uh, Apple first released the original notebooks, and they had what they call them the clamshells. Are those were they? iBook? I, the ones I that toilet sets, the, the, the colored ones? No, 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 no. It was before that. They slid it. They were like a blackish gray color. And I they, they, they were sl- probably just the power books and, uh, back in the 90s. But remember they slid into that big dock thing, yeah. you know? There wasn't a way to open them, you know, and use them. And I think back to that, and I think, okay, that's where we're headed with the iPads at some point. Mm-hmm. You'll have a dock, you'll have your Thunderbolt display, and you'll slide your iPad into it. That's what I think, anyway. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, I, it really ahead. would be nice to have something simplistic like that, and certainly that Motorola phone that you were referencing before. You know, that idea is just incredible, <laughs> where you can actually have your entire computer... And uh, you can actually, you know, just take it in the palm of your hand, continue working on it, and uh, there's not, you know, going to be a problem at all. So I I wish Apple would do that, but unfortunately I don't think they will because they don't want the convergence of multiple systems. They want you to buy multiple systems. Uh, You know, it'd be absolutely superb if you could buy, like, an Apple screen, an Apple display... And then your iPhone is your computer, your iPhone. Uh, Of course, not your iPad. But then, you know, you could have everything just remotely thrown up on that Apple display and just, you know, a bit more sort of wireless functionality than what we've got now. But I don't want stuff thrown up. Sorry? I don't want anything thrown up all over my display. (laughs) But you know what I mean, you know, it's um, really just, you know, having that convergence, which I don't think they'll do. That's that's the word, yeah, I was going to say convergence is where we really need to go. But, and I think Apple will do something that will get us part of the way there. 
I don't know what it'll be. I don't know exactly when it'll be, but I have to think they're going to get us something that'll get us part of the way there, whether it's a Thunderbolt display that can both be an extended display for your MacBook, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro. Uh, speaking of which, they dropped the price of the 13-inch Retinas. Mm-hmm. Or, and then, but can also be used as a full-functioning dock, for lack of a better word, for the iPads or the phones. Maybe it'll be a dual purpose. You know, mm. so the people that want to walk around with a computer in their pocket, you know, with their phone, because, I mean, that's... That's where my phone sits all the time. It's right here in my shirt pocket. That's where I keep it. And then walk up to a display and sit down and start doing their computing work. That's, you know, that's great. And But if you've got a MacBook and you want to, or, you know, a laptop and you want to use it that way, so much the better. So it'll be interesting. It's it, what, is it, what, is it the, what is the old saying? Should, uh, should you live in interesting times? I can't remember the saying now. It's a uh, crap. It was a famous philosopher said that they wish you to live in interesting times or something like that. I got it. And, yeah, something about the best thing to do is to live during interesting times or something like that. I think it was Confucius or some shit like that, but I don't remember. You know what? I, I wonder if every person has lived in interesting times though you know we, we say we live at you know one of the pinnacles of interesting times where technology has been devised and and we're moving you know into that sci-fi reality now we're sort of moving forward and but i mean 50 years ago 100 years ago would have been interesting times too surely but in a different yeah. way yeah so in a different way and may you live in interesting times. That's the quote. I can't remember who said it now. I'll figure it out. Um, anyway, the uh, <clears throat> you know may you the living in interesting times for me fifty or sixty years ago been the at the height of the railroads in this country. You know mm-hmm. when railroads were the transportation. Uh, maybe as much as seventy years ago. Um, I, I think that would have been great because they always use the analogy um, that had Union Pacific, which is one of the largest railroads in this country, realized that they were in the transportation business and not the railroad business, you'd probably be able to catch a flight on Union Pacific Airways right now. Hmm. But they didn't realize it. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see that does Apple realize and do the other computing companies, you know, your favorite of which, Michael Dell and his company, (laughs) learn where they're at and what they need to be, or do they try to hold on to that old model and stay with it? Oh, and you know what? Speaking of which, the man who shall remain nameless actually sent me some feedback about the Dell comments, um, (laughs) which I forgot to send you, and then we forgot to play, and... Ah, boy. Next week. Next Uh, next week we'll do that, man who shall remain nameless, and Kevin's throwing up his middle finger at me. He's not a happy camper. I blame you. You blame me for everything. Yes, I do. You could I have blame- pressed the no button just there. Ooh, pretty lights. Ooh, look at them. Oh, well, crazy stuff. Well. You know what? I love technology, but it also drives me nuts when uh, you want it to do something and it won't do it properly or it isn't quite there yet or we're wondering what will be there. Oh. Kevin's got a brainwave. 
No, I don't have any brain waves. That would indicate brain activity. But I did have a technology win this weekend that was a very good one, that I have to retract some of the horrible and horrific things I've said about Windows 8. I had a friend who had a laptop that actually belonged to his wife. I know this it was thing, a Dell, too. <laughs> hey, it was a Christmas gift for her, so... Okay, you know, point taken. No, bo- no bones there. It, actually, the thing has a gorgeous screen and does, other than the keyboard feeling a little wonky when you type on it, it's a nice machine. Uh, anyway, came with Windows 8 on it. He had tried to install Norton antivirus on it because it had come with McAfee and it was either about to expire or he was didn't like it or something. I don't. Well, he didn't uninstall McAfee first. He installed Norton and then he got McAfee out and it was just trash and he said it was causing the system nothing but problems mm-hmm. and uh, so I was like okay well let me have it and see what I can do well I had heard about the Windows 8 feature that lets you go in and do a recovery without any media there's no media to install and I thought well I can't believe this works well sure enough I dug down into it although getting there is kind of weird it's buried down in the uh, charm section uh, settings general um and there's an article, a couple of articles online about it. Uh, Microsoft has a good one. And I was actually able to completely wipe the machine, reinstall Windows 8 to the factory refresh without ever putting a piece of physical media in the machine. Now, granted, it took a while Holy to do it. Holy crap. It took a while to do it. It took probably two hours. But I mean, Still, all I did was Microsoft. I, I plugged the thing in. I went through it said, are you sure you want to do this? You're going to wipe out all your files, all your settings. Everything's going to be white, complete. But there's also another one that you can do that copies off your settings and stuff and only refreshes Windows. They said, is Windows running slow? Is it having problems? Well, here, refresh it and do it that way. I didn't, that. I didn't use it. I went all the way down, you know, basically almost like what we used to call a nuke and pave on mm-hmm. the uh, – Right, and the thing's running like a bat out of hell now, snappy, quick. I ran the updates on it. It had a shitload of updates to do, so <clears throat> I did all the updates, got it all refreshed, um, got it up and running, and it runs great. I'm going to hand it back to him tomorrow, but most of it it did on its own. I, I really have to give Microsoft kudos for that. You know, it works, That's and it works impressive. very I mean, I'm sorry to Microsoft. I'm not sorry to Steve Ballmer because the man's a monkey, but a sweaty monkey at that. But, you know, it it really did a nice job. So uh, if you're out there and you need to do it for a family member, you have somebody that's stuck in the Windows world for for whatever reason, hey, get do that. It'll clean the machine up for them, and they'll be back good as new. Hmm. It, was, it was quite... Uh, Quite enjoyable. I mean, Windows 7 has been easier to do than previous versions of Windows was uh, to do a nuke and pave on. But uh, I'll have to say this was quite a joy. The only problem is with Windows 8, though, is if you don't have a touch screen, oh, oy vey, what a pain in the tuchus. I'm hitting the Windows key all the time to get it up so that I can slide over, get to the charms, and do all that crap. And they're like, oh, this really does need a touch screen. So if you got Windows 8... For God's sakes, don't buy it on a non-touchscreen system because that's a pain in the butt. Hmm. So, it really does need a touchscreen. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick with Windows 7 for now. I'm quite happy with it for the occasional bit of usage I do. 
It's yeah, perfect. Me. So, uh, yeah, it's good to know that it's it's easier, though, because that's always been one of the Microsoft problems, is that there's never really been a good way to actually, you know, simply restore or, you know, uh, go back to factory settings without a whole jumping through hoops and so forth. So uh, it's good this to see that's clean. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, granted, it took a while, but it got itself done. No sure. media. To- now, Kevin, what was uh, the problem with this USB disc that you had this uh, last weekend? Because there was a, a bit of a uh, a heated situation, I guess. So it's a data traveler, because Kevin's showing me now. And uh, it's one of those that has encryption on it or, or something like that. What, so what happened? It's a Kingston Data Traveler Locker Plus. And I got this free in a uh, uh, gift basket, I'll call it for lack of a better term, along with some other stuff. I wanted to use it just as a regular thumb drive. You cannot get the encryption off this thing to save your soul. I believe it's even, and I'm sure there are listeners out there looking right now. I didn't bother to look. It just pissed me off. Um I believe there's actually a chip in here too that has encryption. It's it's pretty heavy duty encryption on this thing. Um, for an eight gig one, these things I think run about thirty five dollars, forty dollars, which is high for an eight gig thumb drive. But they've got that. But I don't want all that encryption. I had a SanDisk that had something similar to this on it, and it gave you the option to remove the encryption. You could never put it back. You could remove it, and it would wipe the drive when you removed it. So it said if you've got any data on there. It's going to be gone, too. And that that's really, you know, as I thought more reflectively, I tweeted about it. A lot of people replied back to me, you know. Uh, you know, and I, I, I got, it just ticked me off. It hit me at the wrong time yesterday morning, too, as part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it just ticked me off, okay? <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the things... I mean, it would be good if I really needed that. I don't want the encryption. I just want a freaking thumb drive. I mean, I have a thumb drive addiction. That's been a well-established fact. Um, I have bags full of the things here in my desk drawer. I cannot not buy a thumb drive if I see a good deal on one. So I I, I just, for some reason, I've got a couple brand new ones that have never even been opened. Yes, Mark, I know that would drive you crazy. It, it would. That technology that doesn't get used drives me insane. <laughs> oh, Proof dear. There's a 16 gig just like it here in the drawer. Never been open. Anyway, so I was complaining about that, and uh, our friend, mutual friend Allison Sheridan took me to task on it, saying, you know, you, know you, shouldn't, you shouldn't get mad at them. It's doing what it needs to do. And I, and I have to agree. But I really don't understand why a company wants to lock you into something. I I still feel that I should get the opportunity the first time I plug the thing in. Do you want to turn on the encryption? Irreversible operation once it's on. Choose now. Choose yes. Choose no. It gives you no option. When you plug this thing in, it mounts what looks like a CD image, which then runs their software, and you have to set everything up. I don't want all that crap. I just want a damn thumb drive. So this thumb drive is going to find a nice home. It's going to travel cross-country to the Sheridan residence, and it will be live there, live out its days, happy and encrypted there. 
<laughs> I like it. That's a good compromise. Now, tell me what... Okay, this is going to be a noob thin because I have like two thumb drives and that's it. I do not buy thumb drives generally. Um, what is the core difference between the encrypted thumb drive and the non-encrypted? I mean, what what does it cause a problem that you didn't want the encryption with? Is it a slower read write process? Do you have to uh, plug uh, sort of, you know, passwords in periodically. What What's the big stumbling block that slows it down on, on your side of the fence that you just didn't want to touch an encrypted drive? It's not, it doesn't slow it down. It does create a password. It creates a, a little security file and you have to, you know, if, if I were to lose the thing, unless somebody knew the password, you know, and again, how strong is your password? You know, you, you can go down that whole road. You know, let's say I put in a 128 character password. My data is going to be perfectly safe on this thing because of the way it's encrypted. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's 100% foolproof, but it's pretty strong encryption on the thing. So that's, but I, I just don't want that. I don't want that layer of stuff there. I don't put stuff on thumb drives that I'm worried about. If I'm worried more about what I paid for the thumb drive and physically losing it, than the data that's on it. I don't keep anything that's, I don't keep like tax returns or, you know, those, those special photos that I have of you and, or anything oh like that. We're not meant to tell the audience about those photos, Kevin. Those are the ones Gretel sent me. Never mind. But oh, good Lord. Now I know the I, lawyer. <laughs> Purple tutu. Very classy dude. Anyway, but I don't keep, I mean, I don't keep anything on these drives that, would embarrass me or super secret. And it's not that I don't have it usually at least two other places. Anyway, I just want the drive to work. I just wanted to reformat the bloody thing and use it. And I couldn't do it. It won't let you do it. You cannot get past this encryption. It's good software. If that's what you want, but I don't want it. I just want to do thunder. <laughs> so, you know, that's the side point. I, and then on top of that, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Elaine Giles, over at uh, the Mac Bytes podcast, uh, tweeted me that she knows of my problem with thumb drives. Her and I have had the conversation before about my my problem that I have, and uh, as well as I have with other people. And she sent me this thing. Kingston, funny enough, has announced a one terabyte. Yes, I didn't wow. misspeak. A one terabyte thumb drive. And they haven't released the pricing on it, but they have the 512 gig thumb drive for I think it was 1300 or 1700 dollars. You know, so, Kevin, Kevin, that's, that should be all right because you know we get paid a ton for doing this show. I mean, that's just chump change, isn't it? And the residuals that we're getting off the fact that uh, people are going back and listening to our old episodes—it's just you know the money's just rolling in. People, please, you know. We can't stop ourselves, but I do have a thing for thumb drive. I carry a 64 gig with me all the time, and I've been eyeballing the uh, 128s. They've come down to around 80 bucks here in the U.S. I'm going to have to buy one. That's I'm actually gonna... a good price for that size when you, when you consider what it is. That's a very good price. The 64 gig is the first one I've carried for this long. It hasn't gotten full, so it's mm. about two-thirds full of stuff. Now, how much of that stuff is really useful? Eh, who knows? 
but it's stuff that when I want it, I have it with me. Mm. Yeah, nothing super secret. Nothing I would care if anybody saw or anything like that. I'd be more pissed off about losing the drive and what I paid for it. Because I've had that one for a while. I think I ended up paying, well, it was on sale. I think it was on sale for like $39 for the 64 gig. And then I had a discount thing. So I think I ended up getting it for like $22 or something like that. So it was a really good price. So I had to buy it. I mean, I had to. There wasn't any way around it. I couldn't leave the store without it. (laughs) Because I went in looking at the 32s. I was going to buy a 32 because I could get with the same discount. I'd end up with a 32 for like six or eight dollars or something like that. So, oh, yeah, well, oh, but look, there's a 64 here. Oh, double this for just 12, 15 dollars more. Oh, I have to buy that. (laughs) Just like portable hard drives. If I see a good deal on those, I have to buy them. I don't need them, I have to buy them. I just was digging through my backpack today, oddly enough, to put, get some stuff out to put away. And I noticed my backpack was heavier than normal, the one I carry every day. There was an extra hard drive in there. I didn't even remember it was down in my backpack. And it was a portable, I think it was a 250 gig or something like that, hard drive that I'd forgotten was in there. So, oh, that'll lighten up my backpack a little bit. Take that sucker out. Good Lord. You, you, uh, that, that, that must be just growing and uh honestly not having stuff on i i have the drives i need and enough drives i need but i never like have just spares floating around anywhere so you know right here see what i do kevin is if a hard drive dies i go and buy a new one and then i dump the old one if i exceed the data capacity and i need more data capacity I go and buy a new one, and then I get rid of the old one. I, I you know, and obviously I, I generally buy them in pairs because I want to back up. If, if it's important enough for me to store on, on a hard drive, then I, I keep it. Uh, so I always get another one same size so that I've got that backup as well. And, uh, but, you know, I haven't actually invested money into a hard drive in maybe, in any sort of drive in maybe 12 months. Oh, dear. If I go more than six months without buying an external hard drive, something's seriously wrong. <laughs> I, I really can't stop myself. I've been eyeballing the, I've been eyeballing the um, uh, part of my backup strategy and the way I do it is I take drives off site um, and get them because I work far enough away from my home that that I feel is sufficient geographic separation. So I've been using uh, my iMac not full, so I can do a super duper clone onto just a one gig drive. Uh, and that's fine. But I've been eyeballing the Western digital, uh, portables. And they have a name for them, drives, the little two and a half inch portable drive. The, uh, two gigs have gotten down to around a hundred bucks now. So I guess I'm going to have to buy one. I can't stop myself. But then also on my desk is, as I'm sitting here, I see one, two, three, Four external hard drives behind my computer here. I I think only two of them, the only two of them are plugged in right now. (laughs) I have 
problem with hard drives. I really, and I have a problem with portable storage. One can never carry too much portable data storage, is my philosophy. But what do you put on them, and then how do you use them? And you, you know, what you we, need to do. You know what I think would be cool is if you turned around and said, "You know what? I have different versions of operating systems, so that when I go somewhere, I can plug it in." Press the option button on a Mac, and I can't remember how to do it on on Windows. But uh, you know, press the option button and then boot using someone else's you know system into my own personal system. I have some of that too. I use portable apps. I use I have different uh, Linux distributions. I have ISOs for Linux distributions. Should I need them in a hurry? I have ISOs for other stuff you know, stored on these drives that I carry around. And there's been more than one time. It's like, oh, I need that real quick. Copy over, burn a CD or whatever. and I'm ready to go. So, I mean, it is a sickness, but it's a, I think there could be worse things. I oh, really yes. think I, I could have worse addictions. But I really need, and thumb drives, I probably buy one a month. I seriously, I average out to about one thumb drive a month. I I don't you do see you, do I got to burn them out and they just stop working. Yes, I have I have burned a couple out, but I also still have a couple of my two gig thumb drives around and stuff like that that are they still function and some of them have really pretty lights on them when you're accessing them too. So you keep pointless sized thumb drives around just because. I, I have my first very first thumb drive. It's a sixty. Four megabyte or thirty-two megabyte thumb drive. <laughs> wow, it's like put five sons on there. <laughs> My entire iTunes collection on it. But anyway, <laughs> no, I it's uh, I got it as a promo for something, and it was the first because back then these things were just horrifically expensive, you know. Because this this thing's probably ten, twelve years old now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I. Finally ponied up and I bought a 256 megabyte thumb drive. And, oh, I was the cat's pajamas. I still have that one too, by the way. Oh, I was the cat's pajamas with that. And then I got my first one gig. And then I started buying the twos and then the fours. And now I buy eights and sixteens like people buy cheeseburgers at McDonald's. And <laughs> I look at form factors and things like that. And now I'm buying the 32s and the 64s. And as I said, I saw 128 that I might have to buy. I can't stop myself. The only difference is I just got paid, so I'll have to wait a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, dear. Poor Kevin. Kevin uh, has obsessive-compulsive disorders when it comes to USB thumb drives. <laughs> hard drives or portable hard drives, too. Yeah, it's a burden that I must bear. Oh, well, you know what? They're only going to get bigger and there's only going to be more of them. And uh, one day you'll have so many that you could probably build a house out of them if you stuck them all together. Mm. Oh, no, I've given him an idea. This is not good. On that note, we better close out the show for this week. Uh, Kevin, where can the listeners find out more about you and follow your addiction to USB drives? Well... You can always go over to Twitter. You'll find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A. Or I've been hanging out a little bit more on Google Plus, going sniping in with some 
uh, witty comments or criticisms, critiques, or just being a complete asshole sometimes. Uh, Never. Not you. I didn't learn from you. Anyway, so I just... But you can find me over on Google Plus at uh, plus.kevinalder. Kevin, plus Kevin Alder. So that's the best place. Fantastic. And for anything related to me, simply head across to markgreentree.com. And uh, coming up in this next week, you also, uh, if you follow my Twitter feed and also go to my website, you'll find out that the first episode of Track Talk will be out, which uh, was really enjoyable and after editing, I'm very happy with. So uh, it, it should be a good show for those who want to expand their, their collection of music, which include Kevin... Alison Sheridan, and who else was I speaking to? I, I think Timothy Gregoire as well. He uh, he doesn't have much music either. I found a new song this week. Yay! What was it? Called We Code Hard in These Cubicles. Okay. It's a, it's a song about a Java programmer. Is it on iTunes? I don't know. I found it on YouTube where oh, I'm getting... Oh, shit. <laughs> that's not I, I was thinking I, you know I, I was thinking maybe you saw the new Bon Jovi album was released and went hey I really like that new single they've got no it was just some guys getting together making a YouTube video and I, I actually it was made by Oracle to promote the Java scripting language it was a promotional video and the song's just I was listening to it because when I was watching, um, I wanted to listen to White and Nerdy by Weird Al. And it came up as a recommendation after that. And I said, all right, this is my kind of geek song. <laughs> Actually, it's a rap, so it's not oh, technical. And on that note, thank you for listening and subscribing. Until next week, take care. And don't forget, between now and next week, to hug a geek. Lisa Pacelli, Suze Gilbert, Vicky Stokes, Women, Savvy, Geeks, Three Geeky Ladies, Technology from a Female Perspective.